Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Coming off the bye week, and we've got a game to talk about this week. Texas and K-State. That's 20th ranked K-State if you need it. Coming into DKR on Saturday. It's a 2.30 kick, and as we will discuss on this show, it's pretty much do or die time if you're Tom Herman and the Longhorns. But we will talk all about it on this week's show as we get back into the swing of it. Let me bring in the rest of the team he is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. Yourself? I'm wonderful. My only complaint today is, uh, as you guys see, I'm wearing glasses because this is what happens when you do math wrong and end up a day short <laughs> on contact lenses for the month. So <laughs> I remember those is, days. <laughs> such is life. Uh, a man who, uh, Rod, are you a contact wearer or no? No. See, no. Well, he wouldn't have been killed in the wild as a youngin the yeah, way we would have. I would have been yeah. dead by like five. I would have just not seen whatever predator was coming to eat. There had to be like great warriors with bad eyesight. It just numbers make sense. Like you know what I mean? Like great yeah, back in the day. You know what I mean? True, but it's you a, can't see things, you're sort of screwed. It's I'm a, just saying, it's like, a clear vision, that perspective <laughs> that allows him to be a renaissance man, not just here on Longhorn Blitz, but on the Horn 1049, where you can hear him each and every weekday on the broadcast. From one to three, lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, you get that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mr. Rod Babers. Okay, so are you saying that all hunters back in the day had great eyesight? No, like, just ev- survival of the fittest. Because you get purged out when you're young. I know, but you then evolution have. wouldn't have, like, people with bad eyesight wouldn't exist as prominently as they do because they would have all, evolution would have purged them, them out. All. Yeah, yeah, slowly. So, I I'm guess you, one so they rest. adapted. Those hunters, yeah. those hunters with bad eyesight, they adapted. Remember yeah. they? Who was that? They, they went just, and like lived in the tents where they were the nerds. That was like that, an NFL player that recently like just got his eyesight fixed. Or something. I think it was like it was weird. Was no, it, there's been a handful of right? those guys. Yeah, no, I've read. I remember. Hell, wasn't that a problem with Mikel Thompson since we brought well, him Mikkel, up a couple Mikkel podcasts Thompson ago? That was yeah. one of those Mikkel guys. Thompson uh, wore glasses regularly. It's just uh, somebody on that Charlie Strong staff decided like, hey, have you ever worn contacts during a game? And he was like, no. <laughs> 
Why don't we give that a shot? See if it works. No, it was Steph Curry. Remember yeah. Steph Curry? Shooting. His Steph shooting. Curry, like, a couple of yep. years ago, turns out he had, like, a, a defect in his mm-hmm. eyesight or something. It was like, so you tell oh, me. Oh, man, it's hard. the greatest shooter in the world. Yeah. He had an eyesight defect. Yeah, I so, got astigmatism. It messes with your depth so perception. Did, you, but you adapt. My, yep. You adapt. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Yeah. That's Stay what you indoors. do. Yes, like Jose Altuve being short <laughs> is almost what made makes him great now. Like, you adapt to whatever your shortcoming is. Whoops. That's what human evolution is. We'll get go. into uh, some stuff on the field that's, the been, Longhorns an, that's been an eyesore uh, for a lot of people that have watched this Texas product the last few weeks as we get into talking about K-State. Before we do that, let me just remind everybody, thank you guys so much, uh, guys and ladies out there, those of you who listen to the Blitz, uh, for your support nice. of the show. Don't forget to, anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, don't forget to like us, leave us a review. And it's not just the Longhorn Blitz feed, it is the Horns 24-7 podcast feed. Uh, you'll get our podcast, The State of Recruiting with Mike Roach and Bobby Burton, which the name says it all. You want your recruiting fix. That's where you're going to get it. And then Chip Brown and Taylor Estes with the flagship podcast. That's going to drop later in the week and be more of kind of an interview-oriented uh, type show to really uh, kind of get you those last-minute news notes and nuggets for kickoff. Uh, but we do our thing here on Longhorn Blitz. And, uh, again, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And, Rod, as we get into this week coming off of a bye week, which, you know, Tom Herman uh, – probably said it best that a lot of guys kind of hit a wall. The bye week couldn't have come at a better time, not just to get guys healthy. And as we start the week, Caden Stearns is probable for Saturday. Jordan Whittington's probable for the K-State game. B.J. Foster's probable. DeMarvion Overshone is going to be back on the practice field at the start of the week when the team gets back on the field Tuesday. Don't know if they'll get Jeffrey McCulloch back, but the bottom line is even you got Jalen Green back for the TCU game, even though you did lose Cade Brewer. They're hoping to get him back for the bowl game. Ryan Bashevsky had surgery to repair that clavicle injury. They're hoping to get him back before the end of the regular season. As and to quote, uh, kind of quote Bill Parcells here. You guys know I'm a big Bill Parcells guy. I heard, Love him, Bill Parcells. heard him say one time about a, a kicker. Uh, he was talking to a team doctor. And his NFL Films caught it. it. Was when he was coaching the Patriots. And he said, well, I, I think he could play, Coach. He said, well, Doc, he doesn't have to play. He just has to kick. <laughs> <laughs> That's about how football coaches view yeah. players. No kickers anyway. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. And uh, HBO uh, documentary about the two Bills is coming up too. Oh, yeah? Oh, HBO's doing one? Yeah, about Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells. They're just like carrying that. on that 30 for 30 yeah. thing. Because, okay, so I like saw a, the 30 for 30, two Bills. They're doing the HBO one, I think. Something here's like here's that my too. hot take. That's cool. It's yeah. kind of like the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I was like. I was kind of expecting a little bit more. Oh, from the from the thirty for thirty one. Yeah. Well, it's Bill Belichick. I mean, he's not I, gonna, I, yeah. I loved it only because I, it's I some it, wor- but, yeah. situation where you saw Bill Belichick actually like be human and have a little sense because his like mentors, Bill Parcells, who still isn't around for any guff or any type of sense of humor, and you saw Bill Belichick actually come off as the more like I don't know conversational one out of the two. I was just expecting yeah. a little bit more. Hey. So, um, But right. anyway, uh, I think people have been expecting more Rod B from uh, this Texas team. And, you know, the but the bye week, back to my point, you know, you're getting guys back from injury, but also just kind of let everybody in that Moncrief complex really flush the four weeks of football that I happened that. before that bye week. Yeah. Just flush it out because not to really say this is what it's all about because we know this team has issues, but – if they win this game against K-State, they're right back where they were last year, where you're 6-3 and three and 
when it comes to the Big 12 championship game, even more so than last year, you pretty much got your destiny pretty much in your own hands to an extent. Really, it's going to come down to if Texas wins out, it really comes down to they need Oklahoma to beat Baylor because they would have the tiebreaker over Baylor at that point, and then they're in the Big 12 championship game. Matt, am I right about that, just thinking of it off the top of my head? I believe that's all the ways they could play out if you look at the tiebreaker scenarios right now. But this conference has just been crazy the last few years. Like When you look at how things could end up playing out and it never plays out how you think. Because if Texas and Oklahoma finish in second place, then obviously Oklahoma has the head-to-head tiebreaker. Yeah, Texas yep. would have head-to-head over and Baylor. So basically, sort of get to control your right. own fate. Basically, Texas forward. needs to win out and make sure they're for that second-place tiebreaker. They're in a tiebreaker with Baylor and not Oklahoma. So I digress. The point is, as bad as the four weeks preceding the bye week were, you really got a chance to get yourself back on track. And Rod, that's the one thing. Looking back on it, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, they didn't do that coming out of that first bye week. And you can say it was injuries or whatever, but that that staff clearly did not maximize that time off going into the West Virginia game. Because even though they went on the road and beat West Virginia by 11, that was kind of a sloppy game where you just kind of felt like they played with their food for two and a half, three quarters, and then pulled away from a a bad team at the end. Which, by the way, did you guys watch the West Virginia Baylor game? I, I did, did not, not watch. Like, yeah, I did not watch. All Baylor of it. gave West I watched Vir- some of it. Baylor gave West Virginia like ample opportunities to win that game. West Virginia had like yeah. a red zone snap that went forty yards behind Austin Kendall. That. They had horrible mismanagement <laughs> on a field goal that could have tied the game. So yeah, they're flawed. That's the, that's the, the stuff. Bad teams. I agree. Do. They're, they're flawed. We've had some question. weird endings in the Big Twelve the last like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. good the, point. The I agree that the Texas Tech. tech yeah, yeah, that yeah, was that. absurd. Yeah. yeah. So that's but you so you basically beat a bad football team then. Obviously, the Oklahoma game, you didn't really show up for that one. The Kansas game, which now, again, with the benefit of hindsight, do you guys know the Big 12 actually apologized to Les Miles for the clock error in the fourth quarter of that game? Which error? I think the Big 12 has been – they've admitted like twice already this year that they they screwed up. So so if you look back on it, Matt, in in the fourth quarter, there's a Sam Ellinger scramble, which speaking of Sam Ellinger scrambles, Rod, I know you're going to get to some interesting information here in a minute. There's a Sam Ellinger scramble, and he's down in the middle of the field. It's a first down, but they didn't start the clock when the chains were set. They waited till the ball. So basically, oh nice, you got the free like five the, seconds. The Big Twelve admitted thing. that basically yeah. there were four extra seconds on the clock. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's yeah. where the modern confusion because like you used to always have subs coming in, but like at that point, whenever you're just waiting to set the ball down, you're used to being able to go. But some referees like you're you're allowing. The and people the, to come in, and then you get in that confusion area. And the conference had to take the heat for it because it's not like Texas got home cooking with the clock operator. The no, clock operator rough. is a Big 12-appointed clock operator, and the game official on the field, the uh, the Big 12 head of officials, uh, Greg Burke, said the, the the on-field official didn't signal to wind the clock exactly. either. So basically yeah. it was just it's a big It's on snaffle. the ref yeah. on that point. That's just bad refereeing. It's unlike in the NFL the other day. We were, I think it was last night's game. It did a really good job of coming down and being like, nope, hold on, then put, rewind the clock. And like They're in charge of those things on the field, even though there is a human operating the clock, but they aren't the ones making the they calls just on the clock. add more officials that – yeah, <laughs> so they have less to do, or yeah. just a man you know up I mean? in the uh, eye in the sky, whatever. Seeing they got all this on the crew the that can be the yeah. You know, don't let anything fall through the cracks. Yeah. So you got that ending to the Kansas game, where basically, regardless of how improved Kansas is, you shouldn't need a Cameron Dicker walk off field goal to beat Kansas. And then the TCU game was what it was. 
So, Rod, I'll ask you this, and this is probably going to lead into some of your Sam Ellinger research. Coming out of the bye week, with this basically being a chance for Texas, like I said, flush it, hit the reset button, whatever terminology you want to put on it, what's one thing you want to see different about Texas in this game against K-State that that wasn't plainly obvious in the previous four games? Um, no, it's interesting because um, – the, the I did the you know obviously with with Chad and Kevin, um, I do the Longhorn Insider with them and Chad actually basically the same question like what do you want to see different, and I, I really do want to see Tom Herman and and I know we're getting on the offense and it seems unfair because the defense is where the most issues are and we'll yep. get to addressing the defense so I do want to you know preface this conversation with that we understand that we do. Uh, but we know the offense is going to win games for Texas now. It's not going to be the defense. And other than Dicker the kicker, now that your punter's out, it ain't going to be special teams. It's going to be Dicker the kicker and the offense and Sam Ellinger. And we know those guys. Devin DuVernay, Colin Johnson, we know who's playing what role. For, for Tom Herman, he's got to exacerbate that advantage. And I'm, I'm saying an advantage because most of the teams Texas is going up against, they should be able to score points on them now. Are they going to be prolific against them and score 50 like they did versus Kansas? No, because the defenses you're playing are better. TCU, Gary Patterson was the first case, and you'll play John Heacock, and then you got Baylor and Matt Rule, and they're a good defensive-minded football team. And now even K-State coming up, of course. Uh, you know that K-State is a really good defensive team. They're the second-best third-down defense in the country, actually, which we'll get to. So for Tom Herman, I think he has been rigid and stubborn about his commitment to 11 personnel and not to the point where I don't think that he should change fundamentally who he is and the identity of who he wants to be. But you, I think that has almost kind of warped his view and he has taken the 11 personnel like theme to the extreme, which is we're going to get the matchup advantage all the time because they can't match up with the diverse ways I'm going to use my 11 personnel and put my tight end and spread them out and do all these different things. But the truth is he's not, he's not diverse enough, you know what I mean, in his formations. He can actually do – if he, you know, they came out with that 21 personnel look where they put <clears throat> Devin DuVernay in the backfield. And, you know, I remember that versus Oklahoma. I was just watching mm-hmm. some, you know, some uh, footage or film, I should say of Texas versus OU, and I remember I was like, Motion man, that's the first time they broke that out. Personnel. Yeah, They started running Devin DuVernay, and I was like, I, you know what, that's good. That's out of their, basically their 11 personnel package, but they're just putting it in a different you know, yeah. framework. They're just dressing it up a little bit differently. And I haven't seen enough of that. Versus TCU, they put in more, there was more pre-snap motion and funk than we've seen in any game this year. But it was still using their 11 personnel. They were still committed to it. And, you know, it's great, but I, if you're going to do that, then the thing that Sean McVay does, you know, he still uses 11 personality time, but there are a lot of bunch formations and a lot of different looks out of that 11 personnel, bringing the wide receivers into the backfield, motioning those guys around the formation, bunching mm-hmm. them up. He doesn't do enough of that. So I think he's almost at a disadvantage using 11 personnel because it's made him too rigid. Yes. And, he, you know, he, all he does is basically go full wide formation or use the tight end as an H-back and, you know, full wide out of 11. That's all they do. So now that Cade Brewer is hurt, and that's not a good thing, but I think it may force him out of necessity, and, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, force him to go to other personnel packages. You do have three running backs now. You're bringing Jordan Whittington back. 
talked about in the spring game, you know, how Jordan Whittington was the muse for Tom Herman. You know, he would, you know, some players like James Casey at Rice, I think they inspired Tom Herman to yeah. expand his horizons and open up his offensive, you know, mindset a little bit. And I think Jordan Whittington may be that guy. That's why they re- really loved him. Mm-hmm. And in the spring game, remember, they run 21 personnel, uh, two backs, one tight end, and they run empty formation. I, I, I have the in my notes, I remember it exactly the time, and I wrote it down. Because it was, to me, a moment of an epiphany. I was like, man, if Tom Herman can be diverse and have players like Jordan Whittington on the field, he can actually go from 21 personnel to uh, 11 personnel to 10 personnel all within the same framework of you know the, the offense right. on the field and literally be malleable from down to down within the down. So I think that's what I want to see more of. Uh, 10 personnel, you set that to come, and we've never seen it, so... We've seen it once this year, I think. Maybe versus LSU in a two-minute. I, I can't remember. I think that's it. But you want to see more of that, and I haven't seen more of that. And I think that is what made him predictable versus TCU. Gary Patterson feasted on his rigidity. Did I make up a word? Is that a word? <laughs> uh, you know I mean? right. We'll roll on. with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, would, you like, would you like a number, Rod, to back up your theory that Tom Herman uses 11 personnel almost to his detriment at times? Yeah. In a TCU game, I charted it from the time Cade Brewer went out of the game. What personnel packages was Texas in? Oh, yeah. On the final 43 official snaps with Cade Brewer out of the game, Texas had at least one tight end in on all those formations. Of course. They were in 43 official snaps. They were in 11 personnel with either Reese Lato or Jared Wiley 42 times. Wow. The one time they weren't was goal on the goal line? was on the goal line yep. when they ran the pop the jump pass to Reese Lato. They were in twelve personnel. Yeah, wow. so that's four basically forty three snaps where you've got at that's least one crazy, tight end on the field man. and one where you've got two. And let me just break it down real quick. That's crazy. So man. eleven personnel for those that don't know, those of you who are regular blitz listeners, you know it. Those of you who are not, well, basically eleven personnel is one running back, one tight end. The first numbers running back, second numbers amount of tight ends. Thank you. There Matt. you go. So. Oh. Basically, the advantage 11 personnel gives you, if you've got the right guy at tight end, which go back to last year, Texas was heavy personnel because you had Andrew Beck, who, yep. you know, again, Andrew Beck occupying a spot on a 53-man NFL roster this year because he's that good as a blocker. He allowed you to be versatile. And as we saw, Andrew Beck, if you don't account for him down the seam or basically in your run-of-the-mill pass route, he can make you pay. The advantage with 11 personnel is it's going to always give you a numbers advantage in the box if you decide you want to run the football, still allow you to be a quote-unquote traditional spread offense. But with what Texas did last year, when you combine that tight end position, which as we said, Rod, in Tom Herman's pro spread offense, it combines the best of the pro style elements with the spread elements. Which is the tight end. And you have Sam Ellinger, who is a plus one in the run game, you should always have a numbers advantage if you want to run the football. Agreed. But now with Cade Brewer, who's not the blocker Andrew Beck was, which my thing with Cade Brewer, and I've told you guys this, I've told other people this, I don't have a problem with Cade Brewer being on the field, but if you're going to play him 95% of your snaps – you've got to maximize him in a way that takes advantage of his skill set. Like, basically, exactly right. telling Cade Brewer to go be Andrew Beck, that's the whole square peg round hole thing. It's yeah. not, yeah, you're, you're not going to get anything done. Yep. And the same thing with Reese Lato. Reese Lato is not Cade Brewer. You can't just say, well, start going running, go be a part of this four vertical route. <laughs> no, that's not really what you want Reese Lato to do. So, I'm with you, Rod. I, I think if this offense is still in the frame of mind where they feel like this defense can't stop anybody, and I – 
Man, I broke down some numbers on the defense that I'll share with you guys during the yeah, bye week, scary. and it's it's bad. Yeah, that's scary. The stuff you sent me was scary. It's, <laughs> but if you if you feel like you've got to maximize every drive, then you've got to figure out who are the guys that can best help us change the game and put the ball in the end zone. To me, even though we only have a very small sample size of Jordan Whittington, that's Jordan Whittington over Reese Slato. That's Jordan Whittington over over Jared Wiley. That's Jake Smith, even though he did kind of hit that freshman wall at the most inopportune time. Yeah. That's Jake Smith over Reese Lato or Jared Wiley. It's Agreed. just it's just it's not we're not picking on the staff, we're just saying, look, if you're gonna maximize every drive, then you gotta maximize your personnel. You, you need it, it football's all about matchups now and the fact about it is when you do run the eleven personnel, you need your tight end to be a matchup uh, advantage for you in some way, and that's all on the way. You, exactly. It's all on the way you use them, right? You can if you can get him mashed up on a linebacker every that's time. That's what makes like the Rams then, or eleven yeah, personnel exactly. when you have a Gerald Everett or you have somebody that's a hybrid. Be, so the you, know, you want a that, Ricky Seals Jones there, you know what and I mean? Even yeah. even Andrew Beck was a guy that they, you at least had to respect that he could go out and catch a pass. Now he yeah. was such a plus blocking wise that he was out there he specifically because quality. Of that tool. Exactly. Yeah. We're talking and about the, for years when the Patriots ran twelve personnel. Like, why, yeah. well, why can they get away running 12 personnel? Well, when you got Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, you, elite you can ends. run 12 personnel yep. 95% of the time, and, and you'll such, have matchups all over the place. Exactly, and the yeah. receiving threat allows you, because like when you look at Texas, now that in what you want in the 11 personnel is the threat from all, but if the defense doesn't respect, say, one or maybe two or three of the other pieces, because we had talked about how within the 11 personnel, the specific roles are even admittedly yeah. reliable and predictable from year to year, how Tom Herman uses them and features certain players, where just because the, it's a usage problem, the same way in basketball, there's one basketball to go around. There's only one football, and you can only use it one way. And then now, if you're almost... Uh, gonna go out and put it out there that this guy is the feature part of the entire offense and even when his backup comes in he's the feature part and then you say maybe don't Agreed. think that Eagles on the outside or Epps or somebody that isn't able to mm-hmm. be able to be a complimentary role off of that player they aren't even a threat yeah. so then now you can cheat off of say that guy that you don't really respect him in this aspect of his game or Cade Brewer where you aren't worried too much about him being effective in either area of it that now you've actually taken the top end of your offense, and even though it's created to yeah. be something that's going to work, when the in- individual pieces, all five of them, aren't at least some type of threat to consume the offense, it really makes you even more easy to defend because you can allocate almost all of your resources to stopping where you know it funnels. And then, yeah, we'll see if Eagles or if Epps or if a Brewer can beat us, and that's where we're sort of seeing it's these exactly teams right. go. And it's exactly yeah. what – I mean, LSU did it good in the very first half against Texas, and Texas was able to sort of adjust inside of that. But now I I love the element that you sort of force the hand. Now it sucks for Brewer, but it it just makes – the offense have to think differently than how they've thought. You can it actually could help. And you had to buy a week to do it exactly. You had to buy a week to do it, and you got some pieces that may be coming that back are coming the back, back and may also force your hand. That I, I, also are the, multiplicity the way that we. It's saw. a perfect storm yeah. for Tom Herman to Reinvent have to evolve the offense. Yes, whatever you know, what I mean, and adapt it to his current roster because you grab the Duvernay yeah. play in Oklahoma when he motions from being a wide receiver into the backfield, and those are the type of things that you could get the type of. Yeah. 
this match is with a guy like Whittington, or in They're, theory, if you're adding a body and taking a guy off in Brewer, now you have an extra body to be that person that you can move around and do in those packages. And by the way, they're trying some new things. You can say, I mean, I know there's it's subtle stuff, but they're running more of the slot fade. I think they've run it less than ten times this year. Oh, it's but worked they've a lot run, too. They've well, it, it works a lot because you never run it. Yeah. All right. So if you start running oh, yeah, things you don't run like seven when teams are watching film on you, then they won't know what to do. They won't expect it. I, it's so frustrating when Tom Herman says, well, we run eight, eight, uh, eight, four verts, eight to ten, four verts a game. And it's like, yeah, but you run them the same way every game. Yeah. They never change. You just spread everybody out. You go four wide, you, and then you run four verts. I don't even know if they run four verts from a trips. I think it's always literally like they just go four wide and one four verts. I got to check and see if they run four verts and take the number three wide receiver and take him all the way to the other hash and run the vert like that and stretch the defense. I don't even know if I see them doing that. You know what I mean? Like run it, run it from, like I said, put Devin DuVernay in the backfield just like you did and have him run that fourth vertical up the field and see how the defense adjusts to it. If Texas just does anything, that's why his trick plays always work. Because it's so outside of, you know, the tendency for Tom Herman. There you he go. usually just always breaks a tendency. And my thing is, that's what slot fade represents that. It's been open every time you've run it. Yes. You ran it versus Jake, with Jake Smith at TCU, uh, he dropped it. You ran it versus uh, with, with Devin DuVernay versus TCU, he caught it and it was a touchdown. They ran it versus, you know, they ran it versus, I want to say they ran it versus LSU maybe, like once or twice, and it was it was still, it was uh, it had yeah. a shot. You know what's been a, a foolproof play for them too, Rod, going back to the, the first year? Something we've talked about a lot. The tailback wheel on the plus side of the field. Oh yeah, no wow. doubt. And like we've seen them run it, like with the delayed release, with what, like a number of different ways. Hell, Ingram it, was even running it last year. It so always works. Like yeah, Keontae Ingram's got a touchdown off of it this year. Roshan Johnson's got a touchdown. And off they tried of it to throw year. it to uh, Jordan Whittington in the spring game. Remember, yeah. Justin Sias mm-hmm. covering it. So no, no, no. I'm just it's 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 just very. So I, I think I'm I agree with Matt. I think Matt pointed out and he said it very. He put he put everything right there for you. It's it's the perfect storm for Tom Herman to to do something yeah. and adapt the offense. And there's so many ways we can do it. You've talked about the 20 personnel. I've talked about the 10 personnel. I mean, what whatever he chooses to do. But if he does nothing and comes out there with Reese Leto and nothing against Reese Leto, and he comes out there with Jared Wiley and they come do the same thing they were doing, mm. and he, they just take the place of Cade Brewer, man, Texas – Texas may lose this game. Yeah, the and offense won't look Texas good probably going to lose this game. There, you'll it's be good, keeping – you'll be yeah. basically – Four of your five threats now, or maybe a threat, or maybe just three of the five at that exactly. point. You can really focus everything on them. And on, the way you yep, brought up Colin like, Johnson and the right. idea that you're running the same, you try to get the numbers advantage. That's what the 11 personnel does. And you can go and be able to get the type of mismatch from time to time that you want. But then, like we were saying, it sort of gets you into the predictable aspect. And anybody that plays fantasy sports or has done a bracket before, you know that there's always the easy chalk play. But it's what is obvious in yep. everybody. But he sees it also. It isn't as if now it is, say, technically maybe the right one. But if everybody else also can sort of see that because that's how football is being dissected now, then it can become rather simple and chalky. And like one tiny variation, one little change can really change that dynamic and make you be that much more effective. But you have to be able to identify that to make you different from the others. Here's why you're going to need to maximize that, Rod. You're getting ready to play. I'm a firm believer in SP+, formerly S&P+, but now it's SP+, now that Bill Conley's over Mm -hmm. at ESPN. And basically what SP+, is... Uh, as it says in the article, it's a simple uh, in a single sentence. It's a tempo and opponent-adjusted measure of college football efficiency. 
your best offensive game this year outside of the red zone, and again, we talked about any time this offense has faced anybody with a pulse in the red zone, they've struggled. Uh, LSU was ranked 18th in the country in SP plus defense. Yeah. You threw for a lot of yards, but you know the red zone. Red zone is basically where you lost that mm-hmm. game. Uh, the other top forty-ish defenses you faced this year: Oklahoma thirtieth in SMP SP plus defense, uh, and then the other one TCU's thirty-fifth, K State thirty-eighth, and then after this you're going to play Iowa State, who right now is seventeenth, and then Baylor's fifteenth. Yeah. So, if you didn't hunker down during this bye week and figure out what you can do again to maximize every single possession you've got and maximize your personnel, you're going to be staring seven and five or six and six right in the face. Yeah. No. If if he doesn't decide to make some innovative changes on the offense and doesn't have to change who he is fundamentally, he can still run eleven personnel sixty five percent of the time. This should be fun matter of fact. To him. He, he can run it like being able yeah. to find these variations. He can run it sixty five percent of the time. All he's got to do is throw in ten personnel or like ten percent of the time, and throw in twenty personnel another. 10 to 15 percent of the yeah. time and that alone I guarantee you that alone because teams haven't seen it it'll it'll just just a schematic advantage Mentally. that they need and it'll give them um, matchups across the board that they can win at that you know I mean I guarantee you that, that's a great point yeah. right they're just like changing the picture for a player it sounds so simple sounds but like simple, when you hear yeah. ways like what was the X factor in the Super Bowl we never seen it before what happened in Texas OU how they like well I'd never seen that before and like just those di- big impactful yeah. plays you, it's a lot of the time well we exactly just hadn't right. seen that before so then now you're making a player have to be comfortable in the chaos on the moment go and freestyle see if you can freestyle exactly right. the other thing I've got to see Rod I, I, I got to see you you do a better job of getting Colin Johnson on the move and trying to find your matchup with him other than just putting him to the boundary outside the numbers and just having him run down the field and try to win 50-50 balls like he's he to me when we talk about matchups he to me is too valuable of a weapon to just kind of pigeonhole him into that one well, it's the same thing we talked about with Lil Jordan Humphrey two years ago like, he's too valuable of a weapon. He's too unique of a weapon. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that Callan Johnson's the same kind of unicorn little Jordan Humphrey was, but, you know, go back to the the first series of the Big 12 championship game last year. And I, I'm referencing an article that I wrote, and I'll just read from my article right here when I wrote this. It was right after Brew McCoy transferred back to USC. Um, and basically, like, how could Texas still maximize the receiver position? One of the things I said, get Colin Johnson on the move. On the third offensive snap of the game, Johnson wound up as the number two receiver on the short side of the field. Uh, there was a bunch trips formation to the wide side. After Trey Watson motioned out of the backfield to show an empty look right before the snap, Johnson attacked Oklahoma's Trey, ba- Trey Brown vertically, including a nice head fake inside to create separation. And Johnson wound up converting a third and eight with a 32-yard jump ball down the field against a five-foot-ten-inch defensive back, where he was used on an inside on the inside as the inside receiver on what looked like a smash concept. Uh, there were several times where Johnson lined up inside as the number two receiver on a trips formation, including one play later where Sam Ellinger missed him on what looked like a sluggo route that would have been a touchdown since Johnson's execution of the play design got him wide open down the seam. Uh, Johnson also lined up as an H-back and helped seal off the backside of the line of scrimmage on Ellinger's first touchdown run, showing he can do more than just out-battle cornerbacks for the football. So that's just one drive that shows you if you just move Colin Johnson around, at some point you're going to find a matchup that you like. I- I've just got to see more of that. Yeah. 
No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the first, I mean, we talked about this at nauseum. We talked about it after the Big 12 title game last year, uh, earlier this year. I, I don't get it. I don't understand well, I mean, what they're so stubborn about. They don't move. They don't do anything with their wide receivers, honestly. Like, and that, Devin that Duvernay is the only guy. keeps that out of it because yeah, like, but, you have Duvernay fixed into a slot situation. It's not like they're going to motion him to motion him back. Yeah, I get what you're saying that you should, but it sort of is another built-in part of the infrastructure that can be flawed at times. No, it's just because he does what he plays the H receiver, and the H receiver is the uh, the, re- the position automatically that Tom Herman utilizes like as a as a hybrid position, right? That's what Lil Jordan Humphrey played. That dri- that drive you're referencing, they start out that game with Lil Jordan Humphrey in the backfield. Mm-hmm. The first drive of that Big Twelve title game, they start off with him literally in the backfield, and then they motion him out. So. Hey, I'm not giving him credit for utilizing Devin Duvernay that way because that's how he's always utilized his H position, even back going back to U of H. So he still really hasn't done anything innovative with the offense. Even me giving him credit for putting Duvernay in the backfield, that's what he does with his H. Yes, he sir. does that all the time. It's he's that done role. Yeah, that's the role that he plays. So I, I'm looking for something else to you know to, for me for 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 me to give him credit for giving Texas a schematic advantage. Because right now, it looks like you're just trying to go out there every game and say, my guy's better than your guy, mm-hmm. and that ain't working. Your guy your guy should be better, but right now, they're not playing like it. And, you know, the thing is with Tom Herman, I, I know he's stubborn, but I also know that he's a really smart guy. I think he understands this offense right now even though it's it's still really good, it's you can tell it's regressing if you have been paying attention to it. Yeah, they're sixth it, in the country in SP regret. Plus offense. I, was like, right I, know, I know it's good. I know it's yeah. good. But I'm telling you, it could be setting up for – because your margin for error has now shrunk because of your defense. Yep. Yeah. And you lost your opponent. So your margin for error continues to shrink, and you're making more mistakes on offense. Right? Guys are dropping passes. Offensive line are missing assignments. And Sam's getting pressured more. Sam's making more mistakes than we've seen. So you're making more mistakes and yet your margin for error is shrinking. I can see this disaster on the horizon. Yeah. All right. Isn't that kind of what we saw in the TCU game, though, Rod? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You saw yeah. But we've been, we've been warning about that meltdown, right? We're like, man, you, you're being predictable. I think I know all the routes that you're going to mm-hmm. run every time from, you know, these formations. It looks like, oh, they're going to run. Like, I, uh, Gary Patterson. Everybody, we don't know. The route tree for Texas, man, it – it is a it is a sad route. It's like one of those trees on Charlie, the Christmas the Christmas yeah. tree on Charlie Brown. Don't it have a lot of branches on it. Man, it's a sad route tree because the guys only – I mean, I never see them run any – I never see a post-corner route. I never see – I did see one corner, I think, from like Duvernay in the West Virginia game. I think I remember him running that. Duvernay ran slot. a corner, I think, in the AOU game too. The fact that, that we have to field. do this, like, I think yeah. I yeah, remember did that, him that running LSU that. touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, come on, man. Like, why is Colin Johnson running the same route every time? And as you pointed out, why are you not why are you not put using a bunch formation to get guys easily open with a starburst? Why about yep. stacking guys? Like you said, just motion Colin Johnson inside every now and then and then have him run a deep crosser. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I don't see any route innovation either from the wide receivers. Brendan Eagles runs the same damn routes every time. No, I mean, just to yeah, in, possibly add some confusion to the head of the defenders. Yeah. Like, hey, what's that? What's going on? Anything what's going, yeah. that can change because Anything. you get comfortable if you'd say, oh, well, I've seen this. And then now there's a Rolodex of 10 things that 
might go and you start reading your yeah. keys. And then if that's what you're always seeing, it really but does take that mental stress off of the defense. The crazy thing is, we like as Jeff pointed out, we've seen it before. That's what's frustrating. Yeah. It'd be different if we didn't know he was capable of it. We've seen right. him yeah. do this. And he promised it this this year for the 10 person. He was like, one back, zero tight ends. Oh, man, we're working with it. We got to do it. Our wide receiving core is so deep. Almost bragging about it. And it's like, actually, that makes sense. You know what? That's pretty good. And still, I think we've seen it once this year. And it's like. <laughs> Meanwhile, right, Cliffy's running it like 80% of the time in the NFL. And, and you know what Cliffy's doing that? Right now, the Cardinals are, I don't know if they still are, but last week they were fifth um, in rushing in the NFL yards per carry. Oh, yeah. and they were averaging like five yards per carry because everybody in the NFL is figuring out all of a sudden, oh, you know what? When you have four wide receivers on the field and spread teams out, you can actually run the football when you have a plus one in the running game with a quarterback like Kyler Murray oh, because really? they have six guys in the box. And, yes, we have five guys to block their six, but we also have a plus one in mm-hmm. our quarterback. So. Yeah, I mean, I, it's I don't, amazing to hear NFL talking heads. It's amazing to hear NFL talking heads talking about like, oh, there's this offensive innovation. Like, been doing this in the Big Twelve for about they've been 20 years doing it for years. Yeah, so it's a simple numbers game. And for Texas, they should do the same thing. I mean, it's it, it this is how you get the matchup you want, right? You put mm-hmm. Jake Smith out there, and maybe it's Jordan Whittington now, Jake Smith, or you know, Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson and. Brandon Eagles, and then you force a team to make a decision about which one of those guys they want to play one-on-one mm-hmm. when you go four wide receivers. And if they play any of them one-on-one, if they go man-free and they drop five to cover your four across the board, then that means you got numbers you know, potentially in the running game, all right? Because that means they can only have six to defend you in the running game. Then you would have five offensive linemen, your running back, you would match their six, and it's your plus one, the quarterback. That gives you seven on their six. Easy money. That's what Cliff Kingsbury is doing. Everybody's like, how can he run the ball when his offensive line sucks? Because it's mad. Like <laughs> it's it ain't spacey. right. Yeah, yes. it's, exactly. It's simple. It's spread. It got what's that running back Throw they traded splits. for? Kenyon oh, Drake. Kenyon Drake. Hey, with first game mm. uh, there with him, and he went off. Had a Nobody great game. knew who guess, that Edmonds right. dude was, and then it was like, yeah. oh, David Johnson's dinged up. Might not play three yeah. touchdowns it's, yeah, against the best D line in in the NFL. And I was like, how did they do that against San Fran? It's called math. Right? And Texas can you do lots of two. I don't know why. splits. Yeah, exactly. It's Mike hilarious. Leach has been doing it for years. I don't know why they don't do it, too. I don't get it. Well, anyway. Rod, you talk about plus one in the run game, and we'll talk about that a lot when we talk about the Texas defense trying to defend the K-State offense. But that's another thing that Texas probably needs to do a better job of. I know you've got the numbers in front of you with Sam Ellinger in the run game. And in the last few weeks, really this four-game stretch, you know, outside of short yardage stuff and the end of the West Virginia game, I know you're going to give me the numbers, right? I'd venture to say probably 80, 85% of his rushing attempts have been scrambles. Yeah, he's, he's scrambling Just a lot. him making something out of nothing. Yeah, he, he's actually dangerous. As I mean, I, I the numbers that I have, he's averaging 8.4 yards per scramble, and he's averaging five, without kneel downs, 5.6 yards per uh, rush on designed runs. If you put the nail downs in, I think it goes to like five yards a rush. But outside of the red zone, take the red zone out of the equation, design runs. I think Sam, Sam's number jump, jumps to 8.2 yards per rush on design runs outside of the red zone. So Texas, they got to start using that more. I think they don't use that enough. You, know, you know why? You know why it's that high? Because they don't do it anymore. Uh, that's true, too. Yeah, the design <laughs> runs in the Kansas game, I counted two. Um, there weren't that in many. The, let me see. What's the uh, TCU game? TCU game, I counted two. Yeah. So 
designed runs. But I mean, everybody. But scrambles, scrambles have been kicked up. I mean, he's killing people via the scramble. Like he's actually yeah. one of the best scrambling quarterbacks in the country. I mean, and he should be rightfully so because he's the yeah. guy that is smart enough to identify when to take it, and he's done a good job at doing that. Well, I think since OU, he has you know taken it upon himself to. To understand, okay, if they're if the offensive line can't see it as quick as I as quick as I'm seeing it, mm-hmm. then I need to I need to be the one who puts the the burden on on myself and say, hey, I got to get the hell out of this pocket. I can't, you know, what I mean, I can't. And not that he doesn't trust the O line, but it would be foolhardy of him to see the twist and the right. stunt coming and mm-hmm. assume, all right, you know what? Even He's though we're 109th walking. in the country in sacks allowed. These guys will be able to handle it. No, just just start already out looking for your your escape route. All right, mm-hmm. identify your escape route because you know the protection, and then in the back of your mind you got that. Then take your first read, and maybe you don't get to that second read this time. Maybe when you see that, you don't get to the second read. You get out of there. And I think Sam's been doing a really really good job of that. Uh, a really good job. So the Kansas game, he killed Kansas via the scramble, and with TCU, I mean, I think honestly that was one of the best ways Texas moved the football was him scrambling. Yeah. Rod, when you start looking at this K-State defense, and since we're, we're talking about the Texas offense, we'll just stay there for the purpose of, of uh, talking about this game. You know, when you look at the K-State defense, it, it's kind of your typical K-State defense. There's not one or two guys that jump out and you're like, wow, that guy's a stud. But, I mean, whether you're talking about Wyatt Hubert or you know Trey Dyshawn, Elijah Sullivan at linebacker, Denzel Goolsby's a guy in the secondary that's played a lot of football, it's just kind of – they're just pretty solid at every position group. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, they got a couple of guys. Like Goolsby, Gools, his yeah, main story Goolsby. is interesting. He was like, a, I don't know, he played a lot of different positions and moved around, right? And now he's found a home uh, playing DB for K-State. Honestly, it, it's, it's, it's Snyder Football yep, 2.0. I was about to say, it sounds like yeah. something Snyder no, did. No, it's Snyder Football 2.0 in so many ways, man. And, 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 and people don't give Chris Kleiman enough credit. This guy, I used to watch a lot of North Dakota State football because my girlfriend went to University of Montana. So randomly, I'd watch some of the Big Sky Network, whatever the hell it was. Then they are always on ESPN, yeah, like back Christmas in the day. time, whenever it's playoff time, because yeah. I know they'll send the LHN crew and they'll be calling North Dakota State exactly. all the time in the dome. Dude, that dude's a hell of a coach, so I'm not surprised. I'm surprised how quickly he was able to transition his culture there, but I shouldn't be because. Uh, apparently there are a lot of similarities between the way he did things and the way Snyder uh, mm-hmm. did things. and so. I, but honestly, they play, like you said, hard-nosed football. They're good on the line of scrimmage, on both lines of scrimmage. They love to run the football. Skylar Thompson is still there running around. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't know how, Scott Thompson's how he's been there forever, but this, they always got a Skylar Thompson. That's the they're, one. They they're always probably, got a guy. Like they always, it's sometimes and so they, does that it's coach because he Sometimes had, it can be yeah. Ertz. So, yeah, it's always a guy like that. Yeah. That's what I feel like. So, you know, uh, contrary to Earl Campbell's statement, you know oh, what I mean, yeah. those white guys over there, they can run. <laughs> they can do it all. They're dynamic athletes. They're but, probably <laughs> the best in the Big 12 right now, Rod, when you look at <laughs> yeah. combination of, Offensive line play and defensive line play, just line of that. scrimmage play. K State's probably the best on the Big Twelve. Uh, yeah, but we went, at one point during the season, we thought Texas would be in that discussion. Mm-hmm. That is not the you case. Can't, when you're 110 in the country and sacks allowed, you you can't. Uh, yeah, can't no, but I agree. I think they're. Uh, I like. I like that defense, though. I think you know they got some. They got some guys up front. They're going to give Texas some issues. Yeah, uh, there ain't no question about it. They Matt, go ahead. Uh, I know we were talking earlier before Rod got here about uh, kind of looking at some of Football Outsiders' their mm-hmm. line statistics. Uh, this K State defensive line 
it's kind of what you would you typically come to expect from a K-State defensive line in terms of how the numbers play out. Yep, now uh, the D-line and the O-line on both ends of it now, like when you look overall at them, it's nothing that stands out, but you're always a little bit above average. If you look at the O-line, that's the thing that scares me because Texas's defensive line has been the one that hasn't been as good this year. When you look at yeah. Texas's lines, the O-line actually has been a strength of Texas, which is a little bit head-scratching when we look at, well, why is Texas not able to run the ball? And Texas overall sort of— Can't pass protect that well either. Exactly, <laughs> But then, and the idea though is like when you start looking at it, it's like, oh, but you also have a defense on the other side that's given up a lot of points. So the offense may be getting a little pass happy more often. But when you do that, it sort of takes you away from what your whole reason that you were explosive in the first place was because you could run the ball, which opened up the ability to throw the ball downfield. And then when you get in this situation where, well, now they aren't respecting that, and then you end up not running the ball, and then you get stuck in this game that you really can't take care of and when you look at Kansas State like their D-line isn't even very good across the board when you look at the numbers but their O-line is one that's quite productive so this could be ones where both offensive lines have the advantage it just doesn't seem like Texas has maximized the Mm. advantage that we've had offensively with the offensive line and Kansas State has maximized their offensive line they stay on schedule they don't abandon those type of things so it's sort of fits exactly what they do and then texas at least it's good to know that you have a top you're eighth in the nation and stuff right on offense like your guys don't get pushed back you always keep pushing forward but you'd think your success rate would be higher but it isn't higher than it was last year it's lower and that's sort of where you get into those passing situations when you're trying to keep up instead of being able to be confident that you're just going to go out and mow people down and then now you're playing K-State, who's a team that likes to play that type, so you'd be actually playing into their strengths. Yeah. Right. When you know when we talk about maximizing possessions, this is a game where Texas, you know, you're obvious. What I think they're sixth in the country in third down offense. Uh, yeah. You need to be really, really good on first down to set yourself up at manageable third downs because you can't afford to give away possessions in this game. When you look at Kansas State. And the plays they've allowed, they've given up to opponents. I'm just going to just look at the plays opponents have gotten off this year. Nickel State, 41. Bowling Green, 44. Mississippi State ran 71. Oklahoma State, 69. Baylor, 55. TCU, 71. Oklahoma, 53 plays. Kansas, 51. Yeah, you don't so, get a lot of chances. Yeah. You don't get a lot of opportunities. Just your, that's a, going back to margin for error. Yeah. It shrinks considerably once mm-hmm. again because – they basically want to shorten the game, control the game. They want to run the football on. This may help Tarlando because they do want to run the football on early downs. They want to run it on. They, I think they run it basically like sixty-seven to seventy percent of the time. A predictable offense to face on early downs against Oklahoma. They tried to change it up. I think they were eight of eleven throwing the ball on first down against Oklahoma. So against Oklahoma, you saw them try at least tweak their tendency but they know their bread and butter is they want to essentially get they, they want to get their offensive line going they want to get their run game going and that basically fuels everything else they do offensively they do run a lot out of the shotgun but their quarterback run game is something texas should copy and mimic and that's what i'm, I'm honestly i'm just worried about I'm I'm worried about Skylar Thompson getting loose, and I, and I, they do a lot of really creative things. They do the speed option, they do 
uh, you know, you'll, they'll do the quarterback counter. They'll they'll run them out of shotgun. They'll run them out of empty. And they're all designed runs. So you'll be like, oh, yeah. no, he's just going to like, no, no, that, that was designed. They no, did that on purpose. He's a high football IQ guy, oh, and man. it's a coaching staff that will prepare them well. So I assume, yeah. like, the way we saw a Carter Stanley, like, career performance from Carter Stanley, and it looked be because he was quite decisive within what he was probably coached to expect, and that's the type of situation yeah. that aligns similarly but to To your this. point, Matt, yeah. how, how, many, how many quarterbacks has Texas faced this year where we've come out of the game saying, oh, man, that guy's better than we thought? Joe Burrow. Spencer Sanders, Very yep. true. Max Duggan, Max Duggan, yeah, everybody, it's career a, games, yeah, right spot, uh, Carter Stanley, yeah. So no, I'm just saying, Scott, 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 Austin Kendall had a field day. <laughs> he actually did. I think he did have like one of his best games of his career. But my, I think what you have to worry about with Skylar Thompson and that running game is that you, we were talking about the we were talking about the numbers advantage that Cliff Kingsbury gets for just running ten personnel. That's what they're all about. Uh, is outnumbering you uh, in the box. And I think for Todd Orlando, I think it may be refreshingly uh, old school. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's what he the, wants. Yeah. It's almost like exactly. He's like, I'm like, back at UConn. Yeah. Because it, <laughs> <laughs> it's a way, it's, it's, it's such a, you know, it's such a way from the Big 12 spread, hybrid spread culture that he's it's been eating him alive, essentially. Yeah. Now he's like, oh, they're going to run the football? They want to play yeah. football in the phone booth? Thank God. Yeah. Let's There's please, let's conventional do this. Yeah, so I wonder if they'll break tendency just because everybody's throwing the football against Texas. Yeah. And if you don't, you fall into that Mike Gundy trap. Yeah, you aren't smart, he, and we talked yeah, about that thing. Mike, exactly, Mike Gundy ran <laughs> the ball. Like, Thank you. He was coming into the game, I think, running the ball 67% of the time on first down. He ran it 73% of the time on first down. And I understand you got Chuba, but even K- Kansas with Puka was like, oh, no, you know what? We got to throw this damn ball if we're going to beat yeah. Texas. Uh, yeah. So if you want – this is so. We this were is so question. happy on that show that that happened. We yeah. were like, thank you, thank you, Gundy. So this is the question, okay, because I think Texas – Royal welcome that strategy. Will K State decide at this time because really good coaches break tendency at the right time? Go back to you know uh, Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. The only touchdown was them running uh, twenty-two personnel out of empty formation. Only happened eleven times all that year. I mean, so you know, break good tendencies, break tendency. Good coaches break tendency at the right time. And we haven't seen Tom Herman break many tendencies, so hopefully it happens at the right time in this game. But I digress. The other point is. Will K-State, will they not have to even worry about that strategy of throwing the football against Texas, which everybody has done in Texas past defenses, one of the worst in the country, because they can dominate Texas in the trenches? I hope K-State has to worry about it, because at least that means Todd Orlando has taken away what they do well, which is the obvious thing, which is run the football. Because even TCU, remember Tom Herman says, I didn't expect them to come out and, and throw the football. We thought they were going to protect Max Duggan and run the football. Oh, God, really? Did you see Kansas State talk who about, had Puka? Talk about terrible self-scouting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everybody it, it would have thrown the football against you. So, if he says that in this game, then that means, once again, they were, they were ill-prepared and they got out-coached. But I don't know what K-State's going to do. I don't know. They should come out and throw the football early, often, and deep against Texas. But that's not what they do. That would take them out of their comfort zone, and then right. they would be playing. I don't know. That would be strange. I don't know what's going to happen if you're, in that if you're regard. Texas, mm-hmm. that to me is what I think gives you a chance against K-State, against Iowa State. 
out of Matt Cam. Matt Campbell doesn't Matt, want he to don't want to do throw that either. the ball down the field. Yeah. He wants it's to be physical point. and establish the yeah. run. And, and to, a, to a lesser extent, Baylor, Baylor you know, but we to have a, yeah. seen. They're spread hybrid as you They will. They will take the route of, oh, you want to I think Baylor will come out and chunk it on you. Which is why, like, Kansas came out and chunked it on you with Dealman being a guy that's passed. This coach, a defensive-minded coach, a little bit different, say, maybe isn't as aggressive the way we saw as Kansas was. Yeah. Like, no, man, that, they just have nobody over there, and we can burn them all day. Could be. Well, I, I don't know what K. That's why I don't. Want, I don't know what K State's going to do. I, I have. We don't. Yep. We don't know this coach well enough at this level of play with right. this team to say what he's going to do. I. I think at one point you'll get a stretch because remember, Kansas. Kansas actually uh, most of their game for Kansas. I want to make sure I get the uh, the numbers right. Most of their game versus uh, for Texas versus Kansas, they threw. They ran the ball on first down. And I think they only threw it on first down ultimately like 53% of the time. But there was a stretch where basically just like TCU where they decided, okay, you know what, they we're going to flip it. We're gonna Right now is the time for us to put the pedal to the metal. So I, I wanted to like state second quarter. It was for did, but... for TCU. It happened. Yes, it was like one with one oh six left when they had that first two minute drill to get the field goal. From that point on to the time it was like thirty twenty seven. Dude, they threw the ball on first down like sixty seven percent of the time. They just decided, you know what, let's go pedal to the metal. Mm-hmm. And Kansas did the same thing. Yep. Uh, so I because they had Puka, so they had to they had to use Puka. But I wonder if one point. K-State will say, you know what, screw it, man, let's just go. We can do it. Well, Rod, All depends you, on who Texas gets back from injury, too. Yeah, when you, when you talk yeah. about the Texas defense, I'll just give you guys the numbers. I wrote an article about this on the site during the bye week, but I'll, I'll just give you the numbers. Um, and it's not pretty, and it just illustrates, you know, when you look at the Texas defense, they have had success at times this year, uh, but really where it falls apart for them is the fourth quarter. They're terrible in the fourth quarter, either protecting a lead, playing from behind, no matter what the scenario is. Texas has just been a terrible team yeah, in the fourth numbers. quarter. Uh, you realize Texas this year has given up 252 points. 118 of those have been scored in the fourth quarter. Damn near half the points you've given up this year have come in the fourth quarter. Mm. Like, I had to do the math like nine times on that to make sure I was right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, really. nah, that That's can't smart. Be right. You gotta double check. We can all agree this Texas defense at times has been really good in the red zone, right? Yeah. Not in the fourth quarter. Mm. Third. Teams are 13 of 13 in the red zone against Texas in the fourth quarter. Oof. 12 touchdowns. That's insane. That's like Texas offense. 13 and 12 touchdowns? So that yes. totally negates like when Texas was, say, 16 for 18 to start the year on TD rate and the only two misses crazy, were man. LSU. Well, basically, you're giving all of that back to them. It yep. doesn't make you be any good. Your net is nothing. Wow. Run, <laughs> run defense hasn't been that bad. You're giving up four and a half a carry in the fourth quarter. That goes up to 5.13 a carry. <laughs> you give it up five yards a carry in the fourth quarter? In the quarter? fourth quarter. Wow. You've given up 395 rushing yards in the fourth quarter this year, Rod. Now your opponent completion percentage wow. in the fourth quarter, 56.4. That's manageable. But in the fourth quarter, you've given up 11 passing touchdowns. Teams are averaging 8.26 yards per pass attempt, 14.6 yards a completion. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that means that goes back to they're not giving it. They're just chunking it deep. They're chunking it deep, man. And hoping to get lucky. No and more often than not, they are. And that's why you should expect them to throw on you still. Third down is where it gets really bad. Texas on third down defensively in the fourth quarter. Opposing offenses are 14 of 29. That's 48.3% conversion rate. Where it gets worse, how about on third and nine plus in the fourth quarter? 
These are eight of 17 against Texas, converting third and nine plus in the fourth quarter. Yards per play, how about 6.85? Basically, you're almost giving up seven yards of play in the fourth quarter. And on fourth down, you've allowed teams to convert five of six fourth down opportunities. Every one of those, Rod, has been fourth and six or longer. Yeah. That's because when you can't stop the pass, it doesn't matter if it's fourth and three or fourth and eight. You're throwing the ball and getting that most of the time. When you have a bad pass defense, you can give them fourth and whatever. If you're completing the pass, you're probably converting it. Yeah, so what? What? Yeah. So exactly, what's the common denominators, the commonalities in those fourth quarters that we're looking at? Todd Orlando is usually in a situation where he's fighting for his life. He's grasping. Yep, being- Teams are, as Matt pointed out, they're attacking him via the pass. And they're almost, even though they're having success running the football, a lot of times the strategy has been to abandon the running game altogether. Yeah, rushing yards are kind of explosive because our only counter is blitz. And rushing yards, guys, are kind of deceptive. Ninety, I I said they give it a three hundred ninety-five in the fourth quarter. Yeah, ninety of those were in the Oklahoma State game, which, as we know, Oklahoma State won't run the football. Uh, Oklahoma though had one hundred and six and seventy-two of those, I think. We're on that one carry Kennedy Brooks had where it was a one-possession game. Yeah. And, and this is all goes to illustrate, Rod, there's been plenty of games where even the, the three losses where in the fourth quarter it's like this defense just needs to stop. If you could just get a stop, forget everything that's happened at this point. If you just get a stop here and get the ball back for the offense, you give yourself yeah. a chance. And they just haven't been able to do it. As yeah. Matt said, you're basically taking whatever goodwill you've built up through three quarters and you're basically giving it all back in the fourth quarter. And to just add yeah. on to your numbers, because I just looked it up, and yes, Texas dead last in fourth quarter points allowed per game, 14.8. So 130th in the nation. But to tell you all to gauge, 126, San Jose State's at 10.6. Then it goes up to 11, 12.3, 13.4, Texas 14.8. So, like, you're talking almost 50% worse than the, you know, 120s down at 130, but 14.8 per game. Yeah. No, and it's. I think it's uh, a lot of it's on Tart Orlando because I think Tart Orlando starts to melt down because Texas loses their defensive identity when teams start to just attack them via the pass because teams know his default is pressure and blitzing. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's the numbers that I did because I, w- I, I had to go back and look at it because I want to find out how often Texas faced third down and 10-plus yards to go and – how often they decided to blitz. So <laughs> the numbers that I found is that opposing teams are converting 34% of the third down and 10-plus yards to go versus the Texas defense. When the Horns blitz five or more rushers, teams are converting 43% of those downs. Jeez. When the Longhorns send less than five rushers, teams are only converting 27% of those third downs, so those third there and 10-plus. So when he errs on the side of being a little bit more conservative, it's actually been helping him out. So I went to the fourth quarter because I'm like, you yeah. I'm like, man, a lot of these have been in a damn fourth quarter. I can, I can remember most of them, TCU, LSU. So in the fourth quarter, teams are converting 50% of third downs with 10-plus yards to go versus Texas. The, uh, the blitz rate versus third and 10-plus goes from 52% to – and that's just his regular blitz rate, all right? So if it's a mm. third and 10-plus any time in the game – Usually, Todd Orlando's uh, 52% of the time he's going to blitz. That number jumps to 64% in the fourth quarter. So he goes from blitzing 52% of the time to blitzing 64% of the time, facing third and 10 plus. 
Even um, though the numbers show, even so though far the numbers show that sixteen percent less. So, so, so he's ignoring the numbers, and he just go. That, that's or, how you know. Or that's, it could be small sample size right now. To be fair, but you're right, ignoring the numbers or just like not believing that they're true yet. Versus those versus the blitz teams are converting fifty six percent of those third and ten plus in the fourth quarter. Third and ten plus yards to go with less than five rushers. Teams are only converting forty percent of those third and ten yards to go. So. Either way, it says he should not be blitzing as much when there's third and 10-plus yards to go. Yes. Or probably even to Jeff's point, third and nine-plus, it probably the trend would stay the same. The yeah. numbers say you don't have the personnel right now to go that ball to the wall. And then now your personnel's finally getting healthier, some of them, so we'll see how he ends up. But I don't know if that's a structural flaw of the defense or the personnel. Like, exactly. I don't know. It could be that's just Todd Orlando, and teams are now forcing him into that situation because they know if he, yeah. if I get, if I, even if I'm in third and long, my failsafe is he's going to blitz. And yep. if he blitzes, we got him. And well, this and is my issue with the Texas blitzes defense. are predicted. This is my issue with the Texas defense and takes people have on it. There's the crowd that says, "Oh, well, they've had so many injuries, you can't properly judge this defense. You're you're an idiot if you think you know injuries don't have anything to do with it." And then there's the group that says, "No, this is Todd Orlando. This is just garbage play calling. We saw this from Manny Diaz. We saw this from Vance, Vance Bedford. It's just garbage." Well, when you're as it's no different than what we said during those two coordinators when things went bad. You're so bad, it's everything. Yeah. You can't just blame one entity when you're exactly. this bad. Agreed. And yeah. to be and, fair, looking at yeah, the Texas defense in the fourth quarter 100%. last year, just to give a proxy to other Orlando years, Texas was 126th in the nation in points allowed in the fourth quarter at 10.6. So and mm. even last year when you had a good defense or a better one in your mind that was got better results, yet we remember late in games having a lot of games come that way and – it is a little alarming looking well, at that. If those blitz rates, I would bet, exactly. are going to be quite similar. That, that's the reason for Tartalando. That's it why it's be so taped. damning. He's sitting there yeah. like, oh, we know what to do. Well, that exactly. That number I gave, why it's such a damning indictment of him, is because all you need is one stop usually. With LSUV, one stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? And TCU, you need one stop. Oklahoma. And that game is, is as different. As bad as that game was. Yeah, because the way the offense is, you only need a stop. You don't need a turnover. You don't need a turnover. You just need a yeah, stop. stop. And it, he hasn't been able to even get a stop. And now, I, that Oklahoma game, I thought the defense did as much as they, they carried could. They carried the, the offense for once yeah, in, in one game. Yeah, in the first half. But, man, I'm, I'm, that I think is why people are really upset at Tarlando. If he, if he, in one of those games, if he had just gotten one stop, I don't think people would be as hard on him, even though the numbers say that the defense is deteriorating and injuries and inexperience and all that stuff are a big part of it. But, man, you got to. You got to be able to get a stop on a third and 14, third and 17 when the, you know I mean? when the odds yeah. are so, so much in your and favor. That's, that's honestly, Rod, where I, I didn't lose total faith in Todd Orlando. And I, I still think Todd Orlando's a good defensive coordinator. I don't think he just no, got I do dumb that. in the stretch of you know eight games. But it's like the LSU game when his explanation is they were going to go call zero blitz on third down no matter the situation. And I'm thinking, look, again, I, I use this, this <laughs> statement like, a lot. Todd, Todd Orlando's forgotten <laughs> more football than I'll ever know. You made your but mind up before the play. Doesn't 30 like, seconds. Like, absolute? you got to be really confident if you're yeah, absolute. Todd Orlando's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But doesn't third and 17 change your thought process even a little bit? Wow. That's, that's wild, man. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't. That, <laughs> you know? like, And then 
he did not really learn from that situation. Because no, he's he, keeping it going because, in the numbers show. Yeah, in, T- in the TCU game, he also came with a oddly it fits his personality. And blitz. It's comical. It's just like it's it military. Does. We're coming at you, militaristic. And, I, and I totally agree. But I, you know, I I don't know if I'm sure somebody's over there crunching data and the data and says, "Hey, man, you need to be a little bit more conservative in those situations. Everything else, hey, man, go go for it, do your thing. But certain situations." You, you know, this is about situational football. We, we said, remember, we were complimenting Tarlando for being great situationally two years ago. Third down defense, red zone defense, forcing turnovers, all that stuff. And now, if, you know, it turns out situationally he's been not poor, but actually, you know, putrid. But going back times. to what Matt, with the data <laughs> Matt had, th- this isn't something that just popped up overnight. Th- this was going on last year. Like, you guys remember the West Virginia game last year when we mm-hmm. did this show? And the three of us went back and watched that last touchdown West Virginia scored where they sent, like, I don't know if it was a chop call, but Anthony Cook's coming on a corner blitz, and it was just so discombobulated. The three of us sat here and lost our minds watching that thing over Mm -hmm. again. I can't. Yeah, it was a cornerback blitz. I do remember this vaguely. I got to go back and get my notes. I yeah. But this is a this is kind of a trend with Todd Orlando, and to me, it goes back to. The and issue with tape, so the issue with the Texas offense, Matt. Going back to what you and I talked about before Rod got here, we talked about it a little bit. It seems like when in times of stress, in, in times of panic, coaches will fall back to what they know. Mm-hmm. For Tim Beck and Tom Herman, the pattern is abandon the run, just start throwing the football, and then you get an eleven, defense. get an eleven personnel four wide, and just start throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And for Todd Orlando, it's bring pressure. Bring pressure, bring pressure, bring pressure. Yeah, you can bring pressure without always having to. You have to go without zero compromising blitz. your you know what I mean? like, defense. <laughs> my thing is like, and, and I think he did. You still get some of those plays at TCU. I think he he had dropped Joseph aside to be like a a robber or a hole Which, player. Uh, I know what you're saying. He, so he at least he's trying. At least he's trying something, but he does. I think sometimes he doesn't understand like where his defense is flawed and. Like I said, I think the self scouting to me of with this with this team, and that's the coaches. And the reverse engineering self scouting, yeah, where like, you have to go how, and how would I how attack would, myself? Yes, how would you attack you right now? Like I'm going after that freshman you got back there at the yeah. safety position. Yeah. Okay, let's protect that freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we don't, yeah, you don't get enough of that with Tarlando. But I, listen, I think Tarlando is. I think he's going to evolve a little bit too. We saw the four down linemen. All right. You saw the four down linemen. You saw four man fronts. And actually, when he did four man front, which is not four down, three down in three in a three point stance, and he would just have the fourth man kind of upsetting the edge. Malcolm Roach was balling. Yeah. On yeah. that four man front, balling like he. I had never seen Malcolm Roach like balling. He was, he made like three plays in a row, like tackles in the backfield, all because they put him out of that four man front. There's some, you know, what I mean, just depending on the angles and the gaps. Mm-hmm. Going and, back to what we talked about with the offense, Ron, it's because you never show it. It's because you also never show it. Yeah, they weren't <laughs> they weren't ready for. It. But also, I think you that know, you want to change you affects pro- the five man front of offensive line a lot. Just it yeah, really tweaks exactly. the way the angles that open up for say your blitzer that's coming. No doubt, in. and you got problems setting the edge. So for Tarlando, you should always either when you have three down, you should always have Joseph Asai coming up and setting that other edge and then basically almost making it a four-man front Instead all the time. Instead of dropping 15 yards down the field. Yeah, that, that guy should always be set. So your edges are always are set, and you can always you know get everything, contain everything, and, and, and force everything back inside. So I think we saw more of that versus TCU. When they've been at their that best. That was an ability to do that. When they've been at their best as a defense, it's been when they've gone with that game plan of 
kind of play that inverted Tampa two where you're basically using Brandon Jones as kind of like the robber, basically where the middle linebacker would end up in a Tampa two look. You're basically playing him there, kind of 15 yards off the ball. You're trapping stuff on the outside. Mm-hmm. That to me, if you look at it, that's when they ran that early in the TCU. I'm gonna game. say that's when you got the pick. Yeah. Said, yeah, 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 yeah. That's when, as a defense, it seems like they've been at their best. Because Rod, as you know, in the Tampa two, you're kind of backing up, kind of reading everything, and then you can go play it. It's taking a lot of the thinking out of it. And I think that's a lot of what this defense needs right now. Just take the thinking out of it for some of these guys. No, you can do that. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm with you 100. Um, so I I don't know exactly what Tarlando's gonna do, but I like that, and I liked. Man, we saw that cover two with the Montreal Estelle play where he misses it. Listen, that was a good defensive call. People just they're upset because he gave up the touchdown, but the guy they right there. Yeah. Everything is everything is covered up. Yeah. He had to make a great throw, which it was a great throw. But the Texas DB should have any I mean, basic read. If you he should have had, yeah. he should have been able to make. Well, it's like play. we talked about, yeah. and, and this is where. This is where we get into it. It's not just on one entity. No, like we talked yeah. about the Jalen Rager touchdown with Deshaun Jameson, like uh, you broke exactly. it down last <laughs> week. If he's playing zone coverage, it's bad because he's wrong. But if he's playing man, it's bad because he's really wrong. Exactly. And that's where, like, Either sometimes way, bad. Get, and then there's coverage. throw luck into it on top of all these but things. Then that's why people are criticizing the actual assistant coaches, like the defensive, like the cornerbacks coach. And, you know, I mean, like maybe what the technique that they're teaching and stuff like that, because because yep. that we're not we're, you're not blaming Todd Orlando for the call of him being overly aggressive or third and seventeen for going zero all zero blitz. Uh, then you got to criticize the guys and their inability to play the football in the deep ball, which is why everybody keeps just chunking it deep. And then and the coaches yeah. having and to have faith in their uh, tools or ability to go to out and to be able to make that kind of play. And the Herman guys, talked a lot about that yeah. too, like that that was a big thing the coaches have to work on. And both of the two times we've heard him talk since the loss was talking about making sure that we have the right players in the right positions on the field to do things that we're asking them to do. No, I agree. sounds simple, but it really right. is. Until they feel, until they rectify that, I, I mean, I I assume everybody's going to continue to chunk it deep on Texas DBs, and that's not all on Tyler Lando. Sometimes I got the guy covered, and yeah, you know, and, and this is and what, still caught it. And that's what this is where I'm at with this Texas defense, Rod. Are, have they been in a bad situation with injuries? Absolutely, you yes. can't deny that. But between coordinator, position coaches, yep. players, through little things and big, you have all combined to make your bad situation infinitely worse and now it, the D, Texas defense which is 86 in the country and SP plus defense I think mm. that might be the worst in the power five if not it's in the conversation it's probably right there it is just a toxic soup of ineptitude on that side of the ball uh I agree um but I think they can I think the injuries the guys coming back from injuries and we don't know who's going to be uh could be you know but what what's the I think Jeffrey McCulloch didn't practice so it ain't looking good for Jeffrey McCulloch but as Stern, of Stearns is gonna probably gonna play. I would bank on you having Stearns. Maybe no Foster. Fa- no, I think Foster. Foster will, will probably go too. Yeah. The way um, probable is you're gonna play unless there's a setback. Yeah, Foster so, was available for. He traveled and dressed for TCU, but it was kind of one of those emergency only. Yeah, but I've situations. seen Foster available before, and he right. he shouldn't. I don't know. I was like, how yeah. did how did he pass the test? The very first <laughs> but play, I think, his yeah. shoulders yeah. back out of socket. At least now he's got to. And then and then that's why he can't tackle one of the CD landlords because he can't reach. That no, he literally forward, is running so by people him. because he's, he's, alone, he's, he's trying to avoid contact. Like, well, he shouldn't have passed the test. He couldn't lift the arm. He don't need to be out there. Right. Some there, guys don't need to pass the test. Someone was telling me there was one play in the in the Kansas game you can see where he tries to change direction, and it's almost like, Rodby, you've been there where, like, you try to change direction and your shoulder catches, yeah, yeah. and he just drops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 
like he was in that much pain. And we're not knocking him. Like that's how much pain the guy's trying to play through. But he might not need to be out there. And I'm just saying, if he's coming back again, like well, trust me, as a guy who had shoulder problems, all right. I, re- I retired out of the NFL. Not retired. It retired me because of my shoulder problems. Dude, they don't heal. They don't heal during the season. They do not heal. They just keep – I came back, too, with, with shoulder braces, and they just keep coming back over and over again. And the more physical you are, which B.J. Foster is – It's like we talk about Jalen Green. More time's going to happen. You're probably going to hear about Jalen Green after the bowl game getting shoulder surgery. Yeah, but he doesn't hit I'm as sure. much as B.J. Foster does. He's playing corner. But, I, you know, I, I that's another thing defensively. See who can play your – corners included, who all can play your joker and nickel roles? Because, yeah. honestly, be, like I know we talked about Deshaun James and the touchdown he gave up. Your corners are not the reason why your defense has been well, bad the last few well. weeks. Yeah, we just got so many injuries at safety. At I just point. think Jalen Green is physical enough. He's probably your best tackling corner. Hell, I'd at least look and see what it looks like with him in the nickel. It should. I mean, last year, remember, they used Anthony Cook inside and yeah. played him inside a little bit. I'm, I think I'd, I'd, I'd try all of them out there. Cook. Jameson and Green. At this point, what's it hurting, Rod? Yeah, I try them all out there because <laughs> well, Cook Cook been tackling pretty good lately too. 12, but right now, literally, a chance at the Big Twelve Championship is why they aren't going to put people out there that they want to have a chance to win. Like I know it sounds crazy, but they're still had that carrot in front of yeah, your eyes. Like, you know, the, we can't the, just throw anybody out there. The one or two stones you don't turn over in the, during this bye week that you didn't turn over that might be the reason why you're not in the Big Twelve Championship game and you're in the. Liberty Bowl or whatever. Oh, God, no. Camping Liberty World Bowl. Bowl or... No. Even worse. Hell, we were in the same spot last year. Just <laughs> just stay out of the Cheez-It Bowl and be fine. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's in Phoenix. At a oh, ba- nice. When you play your bowl game at a baseball stadium, though. Yeah, nah. that's a low. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Can't call that a success for you. I guess we got to pick this game, guys. Um, I'm actually scared of picking this game. Yeah, Matt, what is the line as good. of right now? It was five and a half. Five and a half, five. Where is it, Matt? Uh, I've seen it opened at six, and it's at six and a half now. People people think Texas is going to bounce back after yeah, they buy it. It's only win in Texas's favor. It's went up. Uh, over-unders went down, so it went from 58 and a half, and now the consensus is 50. So Man. it's went a half point in our favor, yet the unders went down. So we've gained a full oh. point to Kansas gaining nothing. Texas is at home. Texas is going to win. They're at home. I say that. I'm not that confident about it, but I think Texas will win. I think the offense will be innovative. I think you'll see some things we haven't seen, hopefully 10 personnel and some 20 personnel. I think defensively you'll get Caden Stearns back, which, I mean, honestly, you could argue Caden Stearns is your best defensive player going into the season. To get him back is huge. So if you get Caden Stearns back, he's somewhat healthy. And you know you get some other those some other guys back. I think Texas defensively can just do enough, but man, it it ain't gonna be pretty. And I'll see maybe a game winning drive by Sam Ellinger and a game winning kick or something by Dick of the kicker. Yeah, yeah. thinking about it, just when you brought up uh, uh, the special teams in Kansas State, in my mind, I was like, don't we don't we don't who's our punter even now? Like that's the type of thing that you. It's uh, who came Chris, in for Chris Nagar. Chris there Nagar. You go. Yeah, but like just the idea just think, that Rod, you never thought you'd have to learn the correct pronunciation for that. <laughs> Chris <now> Nagar, <laughs> that Nagar guy. <laughs> but yeah, you look at uh, ta- Texas Kansas State and Kansas. 
this is states the type of team that always is able to maximize those little oh yeah areas, like special teams yep. and stuff where like now Texas say has a not only deficient return game but then now you have a question just about your punt game which actually was a positive end so oh, just man. one little incremental uh, thing to take away from your side but th- still overall Texas at home I would think should be able as long as they come out and don't get man. obliterated off the line of scrimmage but this is one of those in the first like two series you'll be able to tell a lot if they'll look good yeah yeah, and then if you move the ball then feel like it'll be play out the same way for 60 minutes if they're knocking your guys off the ball on either line of line of scrimmage it could get really scary then it comes down to a turnover but i still think texas wins barely covering that six and a half point line right now something like eh probably go under in this one it'd be scary it's still close. I'll change my mind. Mid What's thought. the over under on this man? It's fifty eight now. It was yeah. fifty eight and a yeah. half. I would go. Yeah, I think that's good. I'd probably go. Th- maybe I'm going thirty like five twenty eight. I was gonna say thirty to twenty seven. Yeah, no, there's no there's way. I'm picking a cover in this one. Um, I feel like yeah. You know what? I'm going Texas thirty one thirty, and the only reason I'm picking Texas is because I want to think about what this fan base looks like with the alternative. Uh, especially if you have a bad game, if it's a, it, you know, because I okay. First of all, I agree with you. Loss will be unacceptable. Home loss to K State, coming off a of bye week, and you're five and four. You're not going to the Big Twelve Championship game. K State, you've got to go to Ames and Waco. Yeah, a lot of it. I, I think yeah. a lot of it also depends on how you lose. But you're right that fans, either way, an L, no matter how it comes, it's going to be. You lose this game, Rod B. You're staring six and six right in the face. Um, yeah. No, no doubt. That's why I said I'm picking Texas because I don't want to think about the alternative. <laughs> Tom Herman doesn't want to think about it either. No. He thought this Monday press conference was tough. <laughs> he said, that Monday press Nasty. conference is going to be awkward, man. Yeah. I mean, he's. I don't think he's ever felt the, fa- the fans start to turn on him because when he struggled early on, it was like his first year. And everybody was like, oh, man, it's first year. He's just building this thing. And now he's gotten this, and it's and small. never really in his life. And other than and they're, like, not, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not off the bandwagon or anything. But fans are now starting to criticize and be a little bit more critical and look a little bit deeper at Tom Herman because he was still yeah. even like say he don't Houston like ending seasons didn't go well or something, and you had turmoil in, but you still were the hottest commodity in coaching, coaching yeah, yeah. on the rise. This is the first time having to deal Agreed. with this type of a situation, no doubt. You can tell he's flustered at the press conference a little bit. All right. Well, uh, man, I know. Yeah, this thing, could, it, it really could be the house of cards. This this game, I hate to say it, but, yeah, man, with all the rumors about locker room issues and stuff like that and, you know, the recruiting, you, you decommitments can, and stuff. Like, it'd be it a really tipping could, moment. It could the, be the like it could point. be a tipping point, you Daddy. Spin, you can spin this <laughs> really all kind good. of – you can spin yeah. this all kind of positive if you win it because, yeah. like I said, you, they win this game. They're right back where they were right last year. Right back at it, yep. You Bye lose, week went well. You lose, man. It's yeah. always like it one of those good. things. It ain't, it ain't you're good. like changing one thing. How does it alter the entire future? You know, the like butterfly if you effect, back man. In time, yeah, but yeah. But like, this is one of those games. Like nobody knows now, but on Monday it's gonna go one way or the other. And I, I'll go a step further. This is the four game stretch where this won't cost Tom Herman his job. No, we're not to that point because Kansas but didn't happen. Depending on Rod, at the end of the day, when the book is written on the Tom Herman era. I think whichever way it goes, we'll look back at this four-game stretch and say, positive or negative, this is where you can look at the tipping point was. I agree with that. four-game stretch. Yeah, no doubt. You're right there. Yeah, because this is not how you thought it would go. No. 
and now you the fit has hit the shan. <laughs> you got a, You got a chance to write the ship. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. Will they take advantage of it and do it? They had two weeks, man. They had two weeks to do it. Come on now. Keep hope alive. We shall see. Matt, thanks <laughs> for everything, alive. man. You're more than welcome. Rod, be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear us each and every weeknight at 7 o'clock and get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Don't forget to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And thanks to Matt, you can find our classic shows and interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.